We're going to dive in here um, in uh, James 4, verse 11. And uh, I'm going to just read it to you, and let's, uh, let's get to it. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. And there's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? I want you guys to remember that uh, James is written, in the beginning of James, he, he, he titles it to the 12 tribes who are spread out all over the earth. And he's, he's, he's bringing together essentially like the mode of operation for all believers all over the world. So James is a great letter for us at any time, in any place, going through any season. This is calling us of how to live and love like Jesus lives and loves together. And, and again, James is so active in the way that he applies the scriptures. And in fact, we, we saw him one week where he says, don't just be someone who talks about the word, but do it. Don't just have words, have actions to go with the words. And he doesn't say one or the other, he says both. Let your faith and your works be exactly the same. So this is this letter for us on how to engage with the kingdom and with one another. And he specifically here then comes in. So here's the context. This is for believers loving each other while being on the earth. And of course, we're inviting people into the kingdom all the time. But how many of you guys know that if you're going to adopt children into your family, you have to have a family? Amen? Amen. You're gonna, if you're going to bring somebody into a kingdom where they can be healed and whole and belong and be a part of what God has to offer, you have to actually be around and together and connected to offer it. And that's really what James is saying. He's going, listen, we're bringing the gospel of the kingdom. We are the kingdom. We're in this family. Therefore, we got to love each other. We've got to continue on in this way so that we can be all the things that he's called us to be and do all the things that he's called us to do. And he brings this up. Don't speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against the brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law. If you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. And there's only one lawgiver and judge, he who's able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? The first thing that we need to see here is the fact that there is a judge and we aren't him. Just turn to your neighbor and say, thank God. Yeah, right? I mean, for reals, because we are terrible. We're terrible at it. We do it all the time, but we're terrible at it. Now, this is great news for a lot of reasons, that, that, that there is a judge and we aren't him. That's really good news. It's really good news. But we're going to talk about two of the reasons why that's great news. And here's the first one. In the ultimate sense... It's good to know that he is the lawgiver and the judge. It's good to know that because it means there's going to be complete and perfect justice. God promises to right all wrongs and judge everything absolutely with total integrity and righteousness. Not one thing will be left unanswered. Satan is going to get what he deserves, and all who have turned from the way of who have turned from the way of pride in Satan. Sorry, let me try this again. Satan is going to get what he deserves. And all who have not turned away from pride and the way of Satan will pay for their sins. There's going to be no exceptions. You guys, this is really good news. 
it's really good news because we have to know that there will actually be justice served. You and I live by the laws of the universe, the universe that God created. We're made in the image of God. We are like him in so many ways, and we are reliant upon the laws of the universe. How many of you guys know that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction? Do you know what that is? That's justice written even into the very fabric of all that is. And so when we don't know that there's going to be an actual judge and actual justice, our very being cries out for righteousness and for ultimately things to be made right. And to the extent that we don't have a judge is to the extent that we try to fill that vacuum with what? Our own judgment. But if we skip over this, if we try to skip over the idea that there would be justice and there would be a just judge that will ultimately make all things right, what happens is subconsciously we reject the idea of trusting God. We need to know at our core that he is actually going to judge righteously and bring not a cheap justice, a real one, not a false redemption, a true redemption. Are you with me? How many of you guys are glad that Satan is going to be judged? The great adversary, yeah, that deceived Adam and Eve and has deceived us, that attacks our kids and attacks us. Aren't you glad that he's not going to get away with it? He's not going to get saved at the end. He's going to pay for what he's done. And I'm glad that God is going to do that because we need a hero. We need a judge. And I want to speak to that right now. In fact, there's a couple scriptures that inform that reality. I want to make this point because I want to get into the second point, which is also good news. But let's read this together because point one is there is a judge and I'm not him and neither are you. Let's read this together. Romans uh, 12. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do you see what this is? God is saying, I will bring vengeance on all of those who have not turned from their wicked way. I myself will bring vengeance. Now, you might say to yourself, why is that so important? You know, we, we little mini judges, we like to judge God too. It's like, well, why, why, why don't you just forgive them, Lord? Why don't you just let, like, why don't you just write that off? We have this idea in our mind that that, that should be enough for people. Like, oh, don't judge. Just, just don't worry about it. You know, they probably have a circumstance you don't understand. And in some cases, that might be true. But what about those cases where there isn't a circumstance that we don't understand? What about those cases where someone has experienced the ultimate injustice and the one who perpetrated it has not repented, did not repent, and will stand before the Lord. Are you going to say to that person, you're going to give them that small, tiny little, oh, you just shouldn't worry about that. It's no big deal. You, you suffered that ultimate injustice, but what does it matter? That's not an answer. 
That's not the answer that God gives. God actually says, I will bring each of you to answer for what you've done. But we leave that to the Lord, but we don't leave it unanswered. Does that make sense? And there are some of us that have experienced tremendous injustice. And we need to allow these words to comfort our heart so that we can be set free from being that person's judge, while all, but while at the same time releasing them to the judge. Does that make sense? Not coming to the judgment, but releasing them and the situation to the judge. If we don't take this head on, subconsciously what we end up doing is having to be the judge in our own life. Do you guys understand that? Can you receive that? I mean, of course you understand it. You're very bright. But can you accept that? Does that make sense? And this is something that happens subconsciously. If we don't, if we don't answer this, it will leave that, that, you know, you look on your computer and that little pinwheel's still going. You're like, what are you working on, computer? Well, in us, our little judge pinwheel's just going until we answer that and say, wait a minute, there is a judge and I'm not him. I'm going to let him do that. But I can comfort my soul. Vengeance is the Lord's. And they will either, be re they will either repent and, and Jesus will forgive them because he brought justice or they will pay for what they did because they never repented. But either way, that's not my lane and it belongs to him. Can you receive that? I want to give you one more scripture in regard to that point. Revelation 22, 11 and 12 says this. This is at the end of days in Revelations, and, and, and Jesus is speaking. It says, let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. This is the righteous judge. How many of you guys are glad that the righteous judge is good? That's great news. Also, how many of you guys are glad that it turns out that the righteous judge is also our papa? Our papa is the righteous judge. And Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all unrighteousness so that as long as we continue to walk as he walks in humility and love, we can expect the kindness and mercy of our papa because that's his heart towards us always. How many of you guys know that the only way that things can go poorly with the righteous judge who is our papa is not whether or not he would reject us. It's only that we would reject him. Do you guys know that? He's never gonna reject you. You can reject him if you want to, but that's the great news about this righteous judge. So suddenly we can go, it's gonna get dealt with. It's gonna get dealt with. There is a judge. None of this stuff is permanent. He's going to deal with it. He's going to deal with it. So I can let him, I can let him handle that stuff. I'm, I don't have to take his position. Amen? You guys received that? Now, Lord, would you just settle that in our hearts? Even right now, just close your eyes for a minute. I want to just pray for you before we move to point two. Lord God, would you help us right now to receive that good news that you are the judge. You're the good judge. You're the just judge. And you will repay each of us according to our works. 
either having believed in Jesus and receiving righteousness and will be repaid and rewarded for our good works in your name, or for those that have rejected you, Lord, they will answer to you, not us, but to you. And we thank you that in all things, you will do what's good and right and just. Let our hearts rest in that, Lord. Amen. Now, it's interesting because, again, as I said, the context here, James is telling us how to love each other, how to live with each other. And then you have him saying, don't speak evil against one another, brothers, because if you speak against a brother or judge your brother, you're judging the law. If you judge the law, you're not doing the law. However, James isn't saying that we don't actually have healthy confrontation with each other because later we're going to get to the point where, in fact, at the end of James, we'll get into it, and he's going to say, listen, brothers and sisters, if your brother is in sin, go to him and win him back. And if you win him back, you've saved him from death, and love will cover a multitude of sins. And all throughout the scriptures, we're actually told again and again and again, hey, can you not judge rightly? Should you not judge rightly? Why don't you deal with these small matters amongst each other? Why are you taking it before the world and shaming Christ over, you can't judge these matters amongst yourselves? You judge for yourself if this is good or bad. So it's kind of like, James, did you not read the other letters? Are you, what, what's going on here? Obviously, he's not saying that. He's not saying that you don't judge certain things, but he is saying that there's a way that you don't judge each other. And I, and, and I want to bring a finer point to it because I think that what James is really saying here, what he's bringing a finer point to is not that we don't actually make right judgments. We have to make right judgments. We have to. We have to look at things and go, this is right and this is wrong. But, but, but there comes a point where he's saying, but you could be stepping into trying to be the judge. So here's the picture I want to paint for you. This has everything to do with the difference between pride and humility. There's a posture for how we are called to live and how we're called to discern what's right or wrong, how we're called to make a good judgment on what's good or bad, that we're able to do that and fulfill the law of love. In fact, let's read that scripture together. We'll fulfill the law of love without crossing into becoming and putting ourselves into the place ultimately of the judge. So how do we do that? So let me read this scripture to you, James uh, chapter 2, verse 8. We read this previously as we're going through. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. So we're seeking to love each other as much as we love ourselves, which how many of you guys know that that does mean some correction sometimes? How many of you guys have received correction from the Lord? We've all, we've all experienced that. And in fact, it's amazing because have you noticed when the Lord corrects us, how awesome he is at it? I mean, you think about Jesus, when he, when he confronts us, be it directly through the scriptures or the spirit of God is upon you and something comes to the surface, Jesus doesn't pull any punches with us. He, do, he doesn't, he, he's very direct about what it is. And yet he's so amazing in the spirit that he, that he embraces us with. And really, what is it? It's the spirit of humility. It's, it's absolute humility. Think about what, who, what Jesus did. He's the perfect picture of humility and love working together. And in that moment, what he's able to do is he's able to come to us and say, I love you. I love you. I love you. 
and I accept you. And I don't want anything be between us. And by the way, that thought that you're having right there, it's pride. <laughs> and you're like, oh my goodness. And you, have you guys noticed how when he corrects you, you never feel rejected by him? You don't feel condemned by him? But we do feel convicted, don't we? There's a sense of conviction. It's a, it's a sorrow that leads to repentance. There's a sense of conviction. But in his kindness, we're also relieved. I, I've oftentimes found myself saying to the Lord, oh, God, I'm so glad to find out I'm wrong about this because I can do something about that. Does that resonate with you guys? Where you've, you found yourself, when he corrects you, it, you it's actually very hope-filled because you go, well, this has been terrible and hasn't been working, so I'm really glad to find out that I'm the one that's wrong about it because I have a lot of control over that. But at that humility and that kindness, the way that he approaches us, we're called to have the same posture, right? We, as Jesus is on the earth, so are we. As he walked, we're to walk. The way he rolled, that's how we roll. And that's what James is really calling us to do. He's saying, if you fulfill the royal law of love, if you do that, you will love your neighbor as yourself, then you're doing will well. And then verse 12, he says a little further down, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Did you catch this? So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Who's going to judge us? God. So we actually, here's what's really cool about this, is humility versus pride. What this has to do with is how we approach each other in the areas where we do need to make a right judgment makes all the difference when we understand that he is ultimately the judge and we're all going to be judged under the law of liberty. So you and I are not the judge, he is. So think of it positionally. It was easier when Sarah was here doing sign language, but we are peers. We are fellow laborers in Christ. We are sons or sons and daughters in Christ. We are both on the same playing field, saved by his grace, doing our best to exercise the royal law of love together. How many of you guys know that I make mistakes in doing that? Yeah, all of you. That was a bit quick, Marianne. She was very quick with the hand. But she's also very right. I do. And you do too. But when I'm coming to you or you're coming to me, probably more likely coming to me, because I have done something that was outside of that law of love, it's, 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 it's endangering our connection. It's endangering my connection with the Lord. It's sin. Something's going on. It's like, dude, that ain't right. Like, I can, I can see from where you're standing, you might not see it, Joshua, but from where I'm standing, which is right across from you, I can see it. And so you're judging rightly. You're coming to me, but you're not coming to me in the position of judge because there's only one of those. So you're coming to me in the law of love. I'm coming to you as a fellow laborer, as a peer, as a brother and a sister, knowing that I myself will be judged by, your, by the same judge that judges you. Do you see that difference? So then suddenly I have a freedom to appeal to you or you to me that's different 
than when I come to you and I have put myself in the position of judge. And that's what James is talking about here. And there's some characteristics about this. This is really about posture. It's about posture, pride versus humility. So I want to contrast and, com and compare a little bit here. Here's a, couple of, here's a couple of differences, I think, when we look at our posture. If I'm in pride, I'm going to assume a position that's ultimately only God's. And it's going to lead me to conclusions that are self-serving and self-deceiving. Did you, I mean, you guys, I want you to, I want you to, let's call evil, evil. Let's call it what it is. And one of the things that's interesting about sin, about evil, is it is seductive. I want you to know that we are all tempted, right? It says even Christ was tempted, but he resisted temptation. We are tempted. And I want to tell you something. We are tempted by pride, and we are tempted to be judges. Do you know why? Because it's, it's a powerful position, isn't it? It's a powerful position to essentially consider myself just a little higher than you, to put myself in a posture of, well, I've just been walking with the Lord a little bit longer than you. I remember one time some friends and I, we were just we were getting out of um, the party lifestyle and somebody had brought like a fresh batch of acid actually and they were all talking about it and then they were like, man, I just really want to do this thing and rah, rah, rah. And, um, and I was like, yeah, man, even I'm tempted. <laughs> so embarrassing. And my friend's like, really? Even you? And, and it's too late, the words were already out there. My heart had been exposed, it's so arrogant. We all are traveling the same pathway. We all did the same sins together. And in my first steps of freedom coming out, this is years ago, you guys are all looking at me like, oh, you and your drug stories. But at any rate, I feel judged. We are peers. We are peers. And here I am, oh, even I'm tempted. Wow. Wow. Gross. Gross. And to this day, I'm embarrassed. Look at my face. I'm blushing. But it's sneaky. It's sneaky because you know what? It's like, oh, but I knew the Lord before these guys. So even though we all sinned on the same schedule, even though we're all clean for the same amount of time, but I knew the Lord before them. So I'm just a little, not so much ahead, but above. It's tempting. It's tempting. The enemy loves to tempt us. There's a sense of power and, 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 and control when we feel like I'm in a place to judge. Be aware of it. Be aware of that temptation to play God in people's lives. We're putting ourselves in a different position of spiritual pride, of relational pride. I'm no longer being a peer with you, a fellow laborer with you, a brother or sister with you. No, I want to be above you. How many of us find ourselves in that? And if we're not aware that it's actually tempting, we won't even resist it. We're like, oh, no, they need me to do this. This is a spiritual, this is important. I'm, I'm discerning. We'll discern from down here and let him be the judge. Amen? See, pride assures me that my vantage point is absolute. That my vantage point is absolute and that I can see all that is pertinent. That my point of view is correct and that my judgment is right. 
I've, got to, I've, I've seen all I need to see. I've seen all I need to see. And then I make a decision. Humility reminds me I'm made of dust. <laughs> my vantage point is finite. My point of view is limited. And my judgment is dependent upon the reality that I don't know all things. If I'm going to be helpful to you in humility, I'm going to come in knowing I only see from a certain point of view and I do not know all things and that I'm fallible and that I'm immensely grateful that we have a good judge and I'm going to need your help for us to be able to see this thing together and thank God we both have a Savior. That's, going to, that's what humility is going to do. It's very different, isn't it? It's very different than even I even I'm tempted right now. You guys, I cannot tell you how much this embarrasses me. I, ca I can't believe I said that. You can, but I can't. I, I'm devastated by how humble I think I am while being so proud. All right, let's keep going. Now, we do, however, have to bring healthy confrontation. So we're not sidestepping this. We actually need each other. We actually need each other to tell each other how we're doing. Every single Sunday, I meet with Jason, and he tells me what I did wrong. <laughs> it's just true. I ask for it. He's not the only one. He also tells me what I did right. He does a good job with the encouragement sandwich. But those of you that come to second service, you get a better preach most times. I don't know about today. I'll ask him. But why? Why do I do that? Because I can't actually see myself. I can't hear myself from outside of me. I can only hear from inside of me. Do you see what I'm saying? The, the, the royal law of love requires us to ask other people to help us judge righteously our own behaviors. And we won't see it, and God also won't skip the body of Christ to help form Christ in you. It's not all going to come directly from God. He wants it to come one from another, and we submit ourselves to each other. So then let me tell you how this works. But it's, so do you see the difference in posture? I want you to picture this. I'm either having a conversation with a brother or sister in humility and love and gratitude with gentleness, or I'm moving into, in my own mind, and relationally with them, into the position that only God belongs into. And you guys, can you kind of feel that? in your heart, like you've had both those, you know when someone comes in and you can tell that they've, you know, they've put on the, the black robe and they've got the gavel and they're like, I need to have a conversation with you. And you're like, oh, geez. You can tell. You, or when we do it to our kids, it's just like, nope, I know everything I need to know. You, 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 it's a whole different space. You can actually, like right now, can you literally kind of feel it in your heart, those times when you've received that and when you've done it? Those even I times. You did it too. <laughs> it's a different space, but when there's humility, it, it's, it sounds different, it walks different, it's positioned different, it comes in low. Here's a couple of, here's a couple of, of um, characteristics. Humility versus pride in regard to bringing healthy confrontation when we are needing to judge things that have been said or behaviors that are threatening you and those that you love. It's called sin. And we're actually called to challenge one another in love when that happens, to fulfill the royal law of love. Here's what it looks like. Humility listens. Humility listens. It assumes 
that you don't have all the information and that you can't read people's minds or motives. So humility comes in and says, I am concerned. I do want to talk about this thing that I heard or this behavior, but I have no assumption that I have all the information. And so I want to listen to what's going on in your life. I, don't, I'm not, I haven't made any judgments. I'm here to listen, but I'm here to talk. Does that make sense? And so you get the rest of the information because you together are appealing to the judge himself. Together. Because we're both going to be judged by the same law of liberty and mercy. So I'm not your judge. Isn't that beautiful? So it listens. Pride talks first. Pride already has all the information it needs. Pride has already decided what the solution is and what your job will be in responding to my brilliant judgment of this situation. Pride talks long. <laughs> Pride talks loud. Pride looks like Joshua sometimes. But back to you. Humility waits. The next thing is that humility waits. It's patient. Humility gives space. It leaves room for the Holy Spirit to work in someone's life. It leaves room for their own soul and conscience and their timing to catch up with this information that, 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 that humility is bringing. I'm not trying to be the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm not trying to be the judge in your life. I'm not trying to be God in your life. I'm allowing room and I'm waiting for that thing to be formed in you just like he was patient and waited for it to be formed in me. Pride demands instant results. Hey, remember that thing we talked about? Have you fixed it yet? Have you repented? It demands instant results. God doesn't even demand instant results. Who are we? So, so humility waits. And then finally, humility appeals. Pride makes demands. Humility appeals because humility understands that when I am coming to you, and I've said this a few times, but I'm going to say it one more time, I'm coming to you as a peer. I'm coming to you as a sibling, as a fellow laborer, a recipient of grace, just like you, and I'm not seeking to be right. I'm not seeking to just make my point. I'm not seeking anything other than healing for you and for me. And so therefore, humility will appeal to someone from that basis. You and I are coming with that spirit, with that tone. And really, when we do it in that spirit, it's just like when Jesus comes to us because ultimately Jesus doesn't come and say, I'm gonna tell dad what you did, you punk. I already died for you. What more do you? No, he comes and says, Joshua, my brother, I love you. You've been doing a lot of things really well. I wanna talk to you about this right here though. That's actually Pride again. You just care so much about making this point with Karen. <laughs> and it's ugly, man. It's ugly. And I go, oh, Jesus, you're a great brother. <sighs> All right, give me grace. And we move on. He's, he's not condemning. He, he just brings me right along. We get to do that. Humility appeals. Guys, we need each other. We need each other. We have to be able to stir each other up to good works. We have to be able 
to have the people around us, the family, as we stay together, as we move together, as we love together, as we demonstrate what the kingdom looks like and invite people into this family, this is how we're doing it. This causes us to be able to grow and let Christ be formed in us. So may we walk together in humility, not becoming the judge, but certainly becoming better together. Can we do this? Are you guys willing to do this? All right, I wanna pray for you and we'll, we'll go out and practice, huh? Father in heaven, we're so grateful that you are a good judge. We're so grateful that we're not the judge. Thank you for taking that responsibility off of us, Lord. To be honest, none of us likes it. It's terrible. Thank you for demonstrating in Jesus what humility looks like. That you came and you, you appealed to us, you waited for us, you listened to our hearts and our hurts and you healed us and gave us mercy. Give us the grace, Lord, to be even more humble. Thank you, Lord, that humility doesn't cause us to think less of ourselves, but it gives us the freedom to think of ourselves less. Bless us, Lord, as we continue to practice the royal law of love. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And if you agree, say amen. 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 Love you guys. Be blessed. Go and love well.